0: What's up? I'm Brett Skynes, I'm the lead singer of the rock band Fuel, and my earliest rock scene is I was about four years old, and my parents took me to see Elvis Presley, and uh, saw him in Memphis, Tennessee, at the Mid South Coliseum, and uh, yeah, there's there's very few people from my generation who can say that they saw elvis you know as i said i was only about 4 years old when uh, when i went but uh, i and i didn't make it through the entire concert i fell asleep at some point but uh, i do remember you know the flashing elvis lights the, the the big sign behind him you know of his name and Ba-da-ba, him coming out, giving the claw and stuff, and he was wearing the white uh, jumpsuit, you know, with the with the big uh, the, the the eagle on the front and everything, and the big belt buckle, and and uh, it was just an explosion. I, I remember at that point in my life, you know, four years old, and I'm just sitting there seeing this seeing Elvis Presley, and even at that young of an age, I I understood completely who he was and what he was, what he meant to music, Um, and uh, of course I passed out. But then I, I woke up at another part of the show and I remember him singing, uh, I think he was doing Love Me Tender and he was—he uh, had all these scarves around his neck and he would take these silk scarves off and he would la- lay them around the necks of all the, the old blue haired women who were in the very front row and stuff like that. So <laughs> he was definitely... You know, he was Elvis Presley, Elvis fucking Presley. You know, so um, it was it was an amazing thing. Those are some there's some little images of that show that uh, still to this day I always uh, kind of look back to and. And think about how amazing of a, of a performer Elvis Presley was, and and you know, and when I was when I was a child, I would get up on the hearth uh, or on the mantle. Um, would be the hearth, wouldn't it? Yeah, the hearth. And that would be my stage, and uh, and I would sing and dance and, and put Elvis records on and entertain the family. So the second that I realized I wanted to be in a band, I don't, I'm not even sure if there were, if it was a second, but it was there was a I, I felt like I always wanted to be a musician, you know. Even um, starting out at when I was four years old, like I said earlier, and I was singing and dancing and acting like Elvis, um, you know. But as I grew older and everything, you know, I was listening to, uh, I was listening to all kinds of Beatles records. The White Album was just um, mind blowing for me, and. Um, um, and as I grew older, I, uh, my, my first uh, my first records that I actually bought were Kiss Love Gun and Kiss Destroyer. Um, and then uh, as I grew a little older, my first cassette tapes were like Van Halen Fair Warning and Van Halen 2. And, um, and I would just listen to them over and over again, those cassette tapes. I had like a little, you know those little uh, cassette players that were just the one little Like a six inch speaker not even like a like a three inch speaker in there you know and you you put the cassette in there and you you hit uh, play on there and i would just sit there and listen to it you know over and over again i'd run the batteries down um and uh that was like the the beginning of of me really Really engulfing myself with the music that I could possibly find. You know, I grew up in in small town Tennessee, and it's the Bible Belt. And and uh, at that time, I was it was really kind of hard for me to to uh, go out and find certain music at times. You know, like punk rock scene for me was really difficult uh, to to find and. Um, Later in my life, as I as I grew up, I finally found out about the Sex Pistols, and you know, when I was when I was like twelve or thirteen, I found out about the Sex Pistols and suicidal tendencies, and and uh, and the Clash and stuff like that. And that was a that was a big moment for me when I found out about that stuff because it just felt so rebellious, and I always loved that. I would say that like the defining moment though for me when I really realized, okay, this is what I want to do. Uh, I want to be that. Is like I remember going to see. Um, there's two different instances. I went and saw the Cult on the Sonic Temple tour, and they blew me away on that. You know, I was a, I was a huge Cult fan. You know, from um, from listening to the Love album to the Electric album, and then when Sonic Temple came out, they just went ballistic. You know, they were huge at that point, and I remember going to see them in Memphis. And then um, maybe that same year, or maybe a year or two after that, Ozzy Osbourne came out and he did the No More Tours tour—the very first one, the No More Tours tour—and uh, I saw him with Allison Chains opening up, and they—they they killed me, man. It was like, all right, those guys are having fun. Those guys love what they do, and I want to do—I want to do what I love too, you know. So I really focused on trying to to be better as a musician and learn more about playing guitar and learn more about playing drums and just groove and and um, and how to be a musician, you know. So my, my passion was found, I just needed to hone it enough to be able to make a living out of it. I, I, I never kind of, I never stuck myself to one type of genre or anything like that. I was always open to hearing everything, you know. But. Growing up, uh, my first records and stuff were uh, The Beatles' White Album, and uh, like I said earlier, uh, Kiss Destroyer, Kiss Love Gun, uh, Van Halen Fair Warning, Van Halen Two. You know, I'll, also though, my, my parents gave me a stack of records from when they were younger too, and that that record collection was The Mamas and Papas and Creedence Clearwater Revival and um, uh, you know stuff like that. You know, and then. Um, when I was probably like eight or nine years old, my, my mom, um, she was trying to get me off the KISS stuff, because my mom hated KISS, you know, growing up in the Bible about everything. they People just thought that KISS was, you know, the devil's band, when they were, really weren't. They were just a party band, you know. All their, all their songs were about having a good time and, uh, and, uh, and just celebrating life, really, um, but uh, she gave me... Um, a few records. She gave me the Michael Jackson off the wall record and the Michael Jackson Thriller record and the Toto 4 record and I fell in love with those records. They were amazing, amazing records and I really, I loved, I loved the, the groove and everything that on, on the Michael Jackson records. They just, you know, those, those were dance rock and rock records, you know, so uh, uh, Michael Jackson was amazing back then to me. In the 80s, you know, the hair bands were huge and stuff, and I thought that, I loved Whitesnake, you know, and I loved, um, uh, I loved, uh, who else was there, Cinderella, amazing band, you know, there's some, they're, I didn't really consider them like hair band hair bands, really, because they were more, they were bluesy rock bands, you know, and they really knew how to play their instruments and stuff, it seemed like, so, um, there was uh, a lot of really good stuff in there for me, and then, as I grew even older and went through high school and stuff, I was listening to, to U2, you know, with the Boy album and the War album and, and the Joshua Tree and, and stuff like that, so uh, uh, good stuff. The town that I grew up in was a dry county, so they didn't even sell alcohol or anything like that, you know, and so there really weren't any bars or anything like that. I, I had to drive at least a half an hour to an hour. To get to the next town, just to be able to go see anything, and you know, I was—it was a very sheltered environment um, when it came to to uh, rock and roll and live music and stuff like that. So, um, you know, and. There, I, and once I graduated high school, I went to a town called Jackson, Tennessee, and I was there for a few years. And that's where I started. Really, kind of met up with some guys, and we started playing out a little bit and hitting bars and everything, and playing shows and playing like acoustic gigs and stuff like that. Playing all covers and stuff like that. And, but. Um, <clears throat> I really, honestly, I didn't really hang out in bars and go to watch bands and stuff like that until I actually became a musician for the most part, you know, and I was the one that was playing the, the gigs, so um, I had I had no idea what was in store for me in, in, in the beginning there because I I really had no gauge of watching other people do it a lot and stuff. I just kind of jumped into it and there it was. The first concert I ever did was about 90... 90- uh, maybe ninety one. First the first like paying gig, you know, the where we were like we put together a gig and we had to go to a club and stuff and it was about ninety one and we played this little shithole in the middle of nowhere. It was literally in the woods in Tennessee. There was nothing surrounding it at all. It was in like the bottom, you know, that's what we called it. You know, it was just all the woods and everything. And um, I don't even remember the name of the place, but I remember there were nothing but about maybe 10 people there. And it was like, you know, 65 year old drunk guys, you know, it's just sitting at the bar and everything. But we didn't even care that nobody was there because we just wanted to play. But uh, the name of the band was called Cherry Red and we were playing all cover tunes. And we were playing stuff from like, you know, uh, I don't know David Lee Roth and, and, and Van Halen too. Um, and then we would do, um, uh, some Steve Miller and we would do uh, um, some Led Zeppelin and we would do what else would we do uh, Leonard Skinner and Ted Nugent you know stuff like that man you know and uh, I, it, we, probably, we were terrible I'm sure you know you're supposed to suck on your first band and, and, and your first gig so but nonetheless we were having a blast and we felt like we were playing Madison Square Garden so um, I think that each band member I think we made like two or three dollars each to bank on that gig you know so uh, that's the first gig really the the way that um, fuel became what fuel is now um, is back in 90 I think it was around 96 95 or 96 we did we had done a few um, we've done a few of our own demos and everything and we totally paid for it ourselves and stuff and and um, just we were just trying to do all that we could to be musicians for the most part, and um, we uh, we did um, our, the last demo that we did was a, a, a uh, it was like a ten song demo called Porcelain, and Porcelain had our first single on it, which was called Shimmer, and um, I we were we were living in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania at the time, and we were playing the the local uh, scene there and. Um, I would take the the demos and I would put them in I would put them in like bubble wrap um, envelopes and stuff and I would send them to radio stations and to promoters and to anybody I possibly could send them to and and just cross my fingers in hopes that someone would actually open one up and listen to what was there and um, luckily for us some of the stations they actually opened them up and uh, and listened to them and. Um, they loved Shimmer and they started playing it, and so I started keeping in touch with the radio stations, and um, they were putting us—they were putting us in their in their playlist and spinning us every day, giving us like twelve to fifteen spins a day. Uh, and it was a, it was a band that wasn't even signed to a major label or anything, so uh, the, the the local radio stations were really excited about that to see that there was a, a local band that that had a that had something that could truly. Uh, give that scene a shot you know and um, sure enough you know it's like we we had a song in the top ten on local radio without a li- without a record label. So when it was time to really start shopping to the labels and everything it seemed it seemed somewhat easy because we would go into offices and <clears throat> guys would come into the office and they'd be holding the playlist from the radio station going, Man, I love your band. You guys are great you know and I'm sitting here looking at them going, Did you even hear the song? You know, you're just looking at the numbers on the on the piece of paper there. You see where we are in the charts, but do you know what the song is? So but uh, you know, they were looking at what they uh, what what matters most to them, and that's that's chart positioning and stuff like that. And there we were in the charts without a label. So um, that was that was the big break for us, for sure. Go to www.rockscene.com and check out Rock It's not on paper anymore. It's in your living room on your internet.